Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Good morning. Amen. Great to be here at this new venue on the first occasion of it. Amen. And I know that any transition uh, brings with it a strange uh, admixture of sometimes conflicting emotions. Um, there's excitement and there's anticipation coupled with some degree of uncertainty from a human natural perspective, yet we are governed by a word from God from which to which we are obedient and we simply have chosen to start positioning ourselves accurately. Amen. But um, amidst all of this, this admixture, this mixture of emotion um, is a deep settled peace. Amen. Deep, deep settled peace. Amen. So uh, thank you so much for coming out this morning. Amen. So great to see everyone uh, here. And I, I want to encourage you um, that, um, to be faithful um, to our gatherings uh, with regularity and with consistency. Amen. I really want to stress that we are a family, and we're not just a family. We are a household of faith. We are a house in and through which purpose is vested and expressed. God does nothing in the earth except through households, except through families. And when we put together the configuration of the house of God in any jurisdiction, that house must be the house in every respect. And I'll allude to some of those things uh, shortly. But I want to read again something that we started last week and just draw some aspects that I didn't get to finish um, in terms of the cleansing of the temple that uh, Jesus undertook at one of the Passovers that he attended in the book of John. In the book of John, there are at least four Passovers. There is great debate as to how many Passovers Jesus did attend theologically if you're a student of the scriptures. I would like to believe from my reading that he attended at least four such occasions and that uh, in weeks to come, I will allude to some instances in the book of John where reference to Passover is made, but it was way before the time, and it was preparatory to Passover. We've been dealing with the Passover series, and it represents migration. Passover for Israel represented the exodus from Egypt and their movement into Canaan. Whenever I use the term Passover to you, you always encode it internally that we're leaving a place of limitation. We're leaving a place of restriction. And we're going into a place of abundance. 430 years they were enslaved in an Egyptian system. And God said, enough is enough. I take my people out. Before you come out, you celebrate the, the Passover. In a house. Tell your neighbor, in a house. It's very important. I want to stress and I'll stress it later. It's very important that Passover is celebrated in a house and not a cave. Right? I'll, I'll, I'll explain shortly. It's celebrated in a house. Immunity, listen carefully, is only to those accurately positioned in the house. If you were an Israelite and if you were in a house where the lamb was slain and the lamb's blood was on the doorposts and you ate, you would have been safe when the angel of death passed by and slayed all the firstborn of, of Egypt. Not so. Right? You, would been, you would have been entirely immune to the judgment of God that came to to everybody, okay? So in any migration, when we think of Passover as a movement away from an inaccurate position to a more pre preferred position, we must always observe and make certain that in our lives, principles of Passover are firmly etched, right? Firmly established. Now, I don't know what session this is, but I think we've covered a few, quite a few sessions relative to Passover, there's too much to rehearse. What we are looking at now, just for your frame of reference, we're looking at how Jesus would attend these feasts in his ministry in the New Testament. 
um, because they were celebrated in his day. Certain things transpire there, or certain things he would say there, when Jews were celebrating the Passover in New Testament times. One such occasion was what is what we're going to read now. Uh, John chapter 2, reading from verses 13. John chapter 2, reading from verses 13. It says, The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I tell you, neighbor, the Passover was near. So, this is like preparation to this Passover. Passover was near, and he goes up to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. Right? Jesus observed the requirements of the law even in his day. It was still stipulated that you go up to celebrate the feast at Jerusalem, and he, he went up to celebrate the feast. Right? So he was compliant with the dictates of God's law that was still applicable in his time. Okay, so he goes up. He would eventually become the Passover, by the way. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Christ has become our Passover. But while he hasn't become the lamb yet and paid the price, the Passover system is still applicable and he observes it. But he goes to celebrate like every good Jew would do, leave wherever you are in Canaan and go up to Jerusalem to celebrate the, the feast. Verse 14. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves. And the money changers seated at the tables. He made a scourge or a whip of cords. Okay, he fashioned a whip of cords and he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and he overturned the, the tables. Okay, next. And those who were selling the doves said, sorry, to those who were selling the, the doves. It's amazing. They were selling sheep and oxen, but this is addressed to those selling doves. Note, everybody's involved here, but the reprimand is to those selling doves. Not so? So it's very specific to a particular group. All were misusing the purpose of God's house, enriching themselves financially, but the chiding is specifically to those selling doves. I'll explain shortly. Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of, of business. Right? Stop making my father's house a place of business. Verse 17. His disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal for your house will do what? will consume me. The word consume in the Greek is eat me up. It's something that's grieving me internally. Zeal for my father's house has eaten me up. So Jesus comes to the house, listen carefully, near the time of this Passover. And Jesus sees that there is money changing going on in the house of God. There were tables set up. Sheep, oxen, doves, and all kinds of animals were being were being traded or um, for, for financial gain. And basically, Jesus steps in and he says, you make my father's house a den of thieves. Right? You make my father's house a den of thieves. This incident is found also in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. Um, and in, in Matthew and Luke's gospel, you will hear this phrase. You've, you've made my father's house a den or a cave of thieves. Okay, a den or a cave of thieves. I've, I shared with you a few things. I just want to briefly reiterate them before I want to share with you what's on my heart for this morning. What we see here is an abuse of the purpose and the culture of the father's house. This church, I want to say this so you understand, this church, this local family, is an apostolic prophetic house. The apostolic, listen carefully, what is the apostolic? The apostolic is about authenticity. The apostolic is about genuineness. The apostolic is about accuracy. If things are not accurately aligned to God's purpose, the apostolic seeks to correct it. To realign it back to what it should be. 
So there was a formation, then there was a deformation. The apostolic comes to reform it, to put it back into its original form. The reformation concerns structure, but also addresses issues within the personal lives of, of people. That's why in an apostolic house, error is intolerable. That's why in an apostolic house, inaccuracy will not be winked at. That's why in an apostolic house, disobedience will not be covered. It will be, it will be addressed. Okay? If you're looking for a house that's going to skirt over your issues, you've come to the wrong place. But if you're looking for a house that's going to put your life in order, you are in the right place. Amen? So are you in the right place? Yes. We, God is seemingly now, this is, I want to share with you the mood of God. Seemingly now God is intolerable of long-standing error. Right? What does Jesus do? Remember Passover is about breaking 430 years of Egyptian slavery. Right? So whenever there's this Passover principle applied, and there's a sense of migration from one level of inaccuracy to the next, God seemingly is intolerable of certain things. To Egypt, he said, I've heard the cries of my, of my people. I've heard their groanings. So now, Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, here is Passover, celebrated in New Testament times. Jesus comes on the scene, and he looks at the house. The house is being cleaned. Remember, leaven is being removed from the camp. Inaccuracy, all the leaven, all the leaven of the Pharisees, Sadducees, the leaven of Herod, the leaven of Galatia, the leaven of Corinth, all expressions of, Herod, of, of leaven is being removed from the house. God wants an accurate house, not so. So he's, he, he sees the purpose of his father's house being misused and being abused, right? being misapplied. What does a son do when he sees his father's house not being accurately used? A son steps in to correct the, the situation and he makes the statement, the zeal of that his disciples, remember the phrase, that the zeal of your house has consumed me. Please lodge within your minds Jesus' phrasing. You've taken my father's house and you've made it a place of business everyone say my father's house right one thing that we are going to challenge in this day is the monetization of the gospel right that's one thing we're going to extract from our camp this house this particular church will never ever use the gospel message to enrich itself monetary right i know that we will be Extremely financially blessed. This house will be financially blessed that I know we have prophecies to that effect. But never will we peddle the word of God for financial gain. Okay? I shared with you last week, even our resources, we make it, um, uh, it's even below production cost. Right? It's just to help that ministry to, 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 to keep it afloat and to, to make it uh, perpetual. So, um, but never ever will we succumb to the temptation to bow to what is happening globally in many churches, the monetization of the message. Amen? The monetization of the message. Jesus sees this. They were using sheep, oxen, and doves. Items used in sacrifice. Not so? Items used in sacrifice. So... Though the blood of those animals would be used in sacrifice to atone for the sins of people and to bring people into a place of right standing with, with God. That, that principle was being sold. Roman Catholicism, um, years in, in centuries gone by, remember they had the indulgences, the sale of indulgences, which Martin Luther, an apostle and a, a monk at that stage, a Roman Catholic monk, he viewed this and he, 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 he spoke out uh, against it amongst 94 other things. His 95 theses, he took and he nailed it to the cathedral at Gutenberg, I think. Right? What, does, what does a reformer do? A reformer sees the house and sees the 
father's house he's being abused for personal um, ends. He steps in to co- to correct the situation. Not so? So I don't think we'll have a problem in that respect because as long as I leave the house, we will not succumb to that. Right? Um, all of our resources, anything we give you designed like sacrifices did in their day to, to keep you in good standing with God, so to we, we produce resources to empower you so you can be more effective as God's son in who you are and what God has called you to do. By God's grace, as far as possible, we will charge minimal, and I want to get to the place where we literally give it away free. Amen. But we never want to come to the, to, to the spirit of the age. Let me just say this to you. When you watch TBN and other news and other Christian channels, there is the monetization of the message on a significant scale. So what, does, what do apostolic houses do? We stand in stark contrast in the opposite spirit to that. And we, we, we say to the world, come, we show you a more excellent way. Right? right? And here when we do this, we demonstrate that our confidence is not in the sale of things to ensure our longevity. Our confidence is in God our Father who will supply every single need. Amen? We're confident in God. Everything, every resource we need to get the job done, God will supply. Amen? God will supply. Now, some of those were selling. Oh, by the way, the reference to doves. Doves were used in sin offerings to make people uh, sin be atoned for as well. Doves are also used as a symbol of peace. Not so. Remember, a dove is a symbol of? Of peace. So, yeah... Pharisees and Sadducees and others were trading peace for finance. People buying your peace. You know, only one can give you peace. And that is God himself, the God of peace. Amen. And never will we, like I say, succumb to the temptation to transact spiritual favor, spiritual standing to people and cajole them or demand from them a price for this. Never will we do that. Freely we have received, and so freely we will, freely we will give. Amen. Now, secondly, listen carefully. Secondly, the people were in the house of God, in the temple, it says, in the temple. They were in the temple, but their focus in the temple was personal gain. Not so? Private enrichment. When you come to a house like this, and I want to challenge all of us. If you belong to a family, I've said this to you time and time again, you must learn to think outside of yourself. Got to get this right, brethren. Got to reach out to others. When you walk through, through these doors and the family gathers, that's why I said to you before we started, we had some time. Go to someone, chat. How are things going with you? By that you demonstrate, I don't, I'm not come here totally self-absorbed, but my focus is the welfare of my, of my, of my brothers. Okay? Uh, I had a good chat with, who was it? Uh, Elvis, before we started, and, and others, one or two others. Um, things I would not normally get to do and chat to people for lengthy periods of time um, because we're packing up after the service, lots of things to be done, etc. But I want to encourage you, Seek out the welfare of the other. Amen. I'm so glad to see some of you haven't seen you in a while. Like I say, I want to encourage you to be faithful. I'm glad when the family comes together in strength. Don't you feel strong when everybody is here? Amen. Hallelujah. Just tell your neighbor I'm strong because you're here. Amen. So I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I, I want to say it again. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. But I'm glad when everybody comes and you're here. And the family is strong. The family is strong. Amen? And I want to encourage you, reach out and get to know your brother. Uh, Don't live unto yourself or unto your own family. Live. Let me just say this, brethren. If you simply obey this one thing, there's untold blessing you're going to unlock in the Spirit. It will come to you. Amen? It will come to you. And I've given you countless examples through my teachings of this principle. 
I don't want to go to all of them now, it'll take so much time. But how that when you focus on the need of the other, when you focus on the welfare of the other, when you focus on the well-being of the other, what does God do to you? He prioritizes your state. Right? So, I want to encourage you to reach out to others. Those selling in the temple, their only concern was me, myself, and I. Personal enrichment. Watch, watch, watch the principle here. The principle here is, I use the environment of the house for personal gain. So I come with me in mind. I don't come with the rest in mind. Amen. Just touch everybody around you and say, I really love you. If, if, if I can get you to understand this principle, in fact, if I can just get this one thing cemented in all of our hearts, that before we leave today, that my focus must be the house. Everyone say the house. You see, Jesus said my father's house. But you guys are selling uh, uh, doves and, and sheep and oxen. You are using the context of the house for personal enrichment. In other words, you come to the house saying, what can I benefit out of this context? What's in it for me and my family? Very few come with the mindset of, how can I stand, listen carefully, alongside my spiritual father, I stand as a son over the house with him, not as a servant in the house, Hebrews 3, you know the verse, not as a servant in the house, and I, I have custody and stewardship even over the welfare of my brothers in the house. Amen? So, will you think beyond yourself? Come on, talk to me. Will you think beyond yourself? Right? Think outside and think beyond yourself. For in doing this, you are sowing seeds from which you're going to reap and benefit from one day. Right? I always say to people, you expect to reap, but you are not even sowing. You know, the greatest deception is this, is when a person expects to reap but hasn't sown zilch. Right? Right? Dr. Segi said to us, the, he gave several examples. I must actually pull the study out. One of the schools, uh, he would say things like, the harvest or the seed for financial blessing is financial sowing. The seed for companionship and love is friendship. But the scripture says, he who desires friends must do what? Show himself friendly. Guess what? If you don't show yourself friendly, what are you not going to reap? You won't reap friends. And he gave like 19 examples. Right? For example, Galatians, he who sows to the flesh shall reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit shall reap life and peace. And you know Dr. Sagan, his typical style, he goes through the whole list. He said, I got one last thing. He said, the seed for nothing is nothing. He said, if you don't have seed for anything, that's what you're going to get. It's going to be nothing. So you never ever hope to reap in a particular area the realm to which you have never sown. You have never sown. Okay? You know what? I, I took care of my parents. It was our desire in their old age. My father and mother before they died. And we, we delivered us for how long? Five years before they both passed away. There. And the Lord said to me, Randolph, don't worry about your old age. What you've sown, you will reap. You've sown to others in their old age. Now watch when you are old, what I will do for you. Right? You know, I, I encourage someone. David said, I've been young and I've been old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, no seed begging for bread. And God said this to me. At one stage, I was anxious. I don't know why. It just came over me one day. I was anxious about old age. <laughs> Who thinks about when you're old? <laughs> Clint, imagine when you're 90. <laughs> eh? Evie? I said to Martin, Martin came here. I asked Martin this morning, Martin, how was your week? He said, well, it was in the word. It was in the word. <laughs> I keep saying, I want to be like him when I'm old. <laughs> Stay in the word. Stay in the word. Amen. God, it's God said this to me in my heart, the same God that was faithful to you in your youth, that was faithful to you in your adult years, I will be the same God to you when you are old. Same God that took care of you growing up will be the same faithfulness that takes care of you when you're old. Amen? 
That's for someone. Elaine and company, the more mature among us. Rita is what, 80? How much now? 80. Okay, on the dot. Here's an 80-year-old sitting here. Seniority amongst us. Amen? So I want to encourage us. Tell your neighbor, sow good seeds. Jesus said to formulate a motivation for his actions in driving out um, these sellers from the temple. The disciples quote a portion from Psalm 69. He said, the zeal of your house has consumed me. Everyone say zeal. I told you last week it's quina. It means jealousy and being envious. Jesus is saying, I'm jealous in a good sense for the culture and the welfare and the state of my father's house. So then, I will act, even violently, drive you out with a whip that he didn't buy down the street, the Bible says, and he took the time, saw what was happening, sat down, and he fashioned a scourge, fashioned a, a whip, and he drove them out. Now let me just say this. For those to whom God has spoken repetitively about certain issues, thus saith the Lord, there will be an exclusion, driving out of that element of disobedience from the house. You are either in the house or you're not in the house. When I say you're in the house, I'm not talking about your physical presence. Yes, we want you here physically. But not be here physically, but be divorced principally. Don't be here physically. But in principle, you're violating every principle we stand for as a house. Then, you are not in the house. You are excluded. But note, says the Lord. You see, leaven has to be taken out of the house, it says, right? And the Bible says, any person whose leaven is still in the house, I read this to you a few weeks ago. It says, God says to him, he will be excluded from the congregation of, of Israel. Who would like to be excluded? No one here, I hope. Who wants to be central to God's purposes? Come on, talk to me. You want to be central to what God is doing. You want to be in the will of God. Everybody, amen? I want to encourage you. Now is a time for compliance like never before. All right? You know, that, that phrase just comes to me as I speak to you. Don't be here physically, but you are not here principally. You're here in your physical body, but in principle... You're far removed from the principles we espouse from God's, from God's word. Amen? He says, the zeal for your house has con. The zeal for your house has consumed me. Now listen to me. I don't want to go through much of what we spoke last week. Jesus said um, in, in the book, not Jesus, uh, the writer Isaiah says in Isaiah 9 verse 6, For unto us a son is given, a child is born, the son is given, and his name shall be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his, what two things, peace and government, there shall be no, no, no end, remember the government will be upon his shoulders, of the increase of his peace and government, there shall be no end, and then right at the end of that verse, it says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. What does accomplish that prophecy concerning Jesus? God says, my zeal accomplishes certain things. Everyone say zeal. So zeal is not just fervor. It's not just passion. It's not just intense desire. It's intense desire, listen carefully, that is focused upon the execution of purpose and to see it to its logical outcome. Zeal performs things. That's what I want to get to you. When you say, God's house is my priority, I have zeal for the house, what you're also saying is, my zeal will ensure that the purpose attendant with the house is accomplished. Right? God is very zealous for that prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 to come to pass. It says all of these things about my son, Government on his shoulders, all the names that he will be called, it says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. Okay? And I want to encourage you, passion without purpose is vanity. It's pointless having zeal, but no goal. In fact, zeal and, and passion by nature is focused upon the outcome of a task. Not so? 
I want to encourage you. Listen carefully. Tell your neighbor we are in a house. Let me explain it like this. The word house in that context is the Greek word oikos. Everyone say oikos. Not oikikos, oikos. O-I-O-K-O-S. Oikos. And listen carefully. Let me explain it. Oikos, like its Hebrew equivalent, bayith. The Hebrew word for house is bay, B-A-Y-I-T-H, bayith. Both bayith and oikos denote this. It does not refer to the structure, the brick and mortar. It refers to, when both words are used, it refers to the quality of relationships that exist in the house. Or the fabric and frequency of relationships in the house. Now, who is the head of a house? A father. Right? In a house, you have a family. Not so? You can't have family without acknowledging the principle of father. In the Greek, listen carefully to me. I need to, you must pay attention. I'll explain something critical. In the Greek language, words derive from one another. So, words have an etymological range. But it's useful sometimes to track the root word to understand what other words were extracted from it. Right? So, the Greek word for father is what? Pate. P-A-T-E-R. Not so? P-A-T-E-R. You want to say pate or pate. <laughs> pate. Right? The Greek word for family is what? Patria. Everyone say patria. Patria. But the amazing thing is, patria cannot exist on its own. It's a derivative of pate. So you have pate, and out from the word patre, pate, the Greeks in their scholastic minds, they, they constructed a word called patria. Pate means father. Patria means Family. So, the principle is, you can never ever have family without having father. No family is legit without the headship of father. Now, watch carefully, brethren. That economy of father and family, what do you have in a family? Sons, not so? It's father and sons, and among the sons, you have the principle of the brotherhood. Right? That in the Greek mind, is oikos, the house. When Jesus said, my father's house, you've missed, you're abusing the purpose of my father's house. The reference to house there, listen carefully, he's referencing the fact that this house should be characterized by sons in the house that are connected to a father that fulfill the vision and the purpose of the father of that house. Now, the father of this house is the heavenly father. I want to say that clearly. The father of Gate Ministries, Durban Central, is the heavenly father. The head of this church is Jesus Christ himself. The Colossians says, and he is the head of the body. Not so? Repeat after me. The heavenly father, father. is the father of this house. Tell someone, Jesus Christ is the head of this body. Now, the Holy Spirit, the, uh, Corinthians says this, the Holy Spirit sets members in the body as it has pleased Him. Who set you here? The Holy Spirit. Who brought you here? Come on, talk to me. The Holy Spirit. I believe... Every genuine placement of sons in a family in any house is the leading of the Holy Ghost. Amen? So you better stay where you are placed. And let me just say this also. God puts sons in a family. He puts sons in a family. It's not just a nice arrangement of people that can have a hunky-dory time together every Sunday morning. It's not just, that's not the end. God's house always has purpose attendant with it. Not so? Amen? Are you glad to be part of this house? Come on, talk to me, family. Are you glad to be here? Who is convinced that your placement here is of the Holy Ghost? Right? I want to encourage you. 
I'm saying this seriously. I sense this impulse of the Lord. You need to firmly resolve that in your heart. Right? Uh, I can't cajole you to stay, but if you have a revelation of where you should be, no one will ever need to encourage you to come back to another service again. Tell your neighbor, have a revelation. This is what I want to get at. Have a revelation of your placement in a family. Amen? So tell someone, welcome to the family. Amen? You know, I really want to say this again. I'm so pleased to see so many of you here again. You're part of a good family. Let me say this boldly. Your welfare is dependent upon your placement. Your welfare is... De- you see, Passover was celebrated in a house. Everyone say in a house. All we're doing in this house, we're looking at Mark, and we are saying, hey house, let us make sure we never abuse the purpose of this house. We don't come here for private personal gain, not so. We, we come to, for the betterment of the house, right? So I want to encourage you, the Heavenly Father is the Father. Jesus is the head. I am the pastor, as we say, or more accurately, the spiritual father over this house to which you spiritual sons must be connected, right? As, as sons in the house. Let me just say this to you. The purpose of this house is about to accentuate. Amen? Hallelujah? So who's ready to, to plow more? Are you ready to sacrifice more? Are you going to be faithful not as a servant but as a son? Moses was faithful as a servant in the house. Hebrews 3 said Christ was faithful as a son over the house. Right? Who here would stand alongside me and say, Randolph, let's do the business. Right? Remember Jesus when he was 12 years old? He said to Mary and when they're looking for him, he said, did you not know that I had to be about my? Jesus from 12 years old always had this passion about being located in his father's house doing his father's business. Amen? So then, I'm going to pray again just now for zeal. Everyone say zeal. The zeal of my father's house has consumed me. I want to encourage you, live to give expression to the vision of God vested in and through your spiritual father. In Matthew's account of the same incident, in Matthew 21, I haven't even got to where I need to go. Right? The Lord's hijacking every sermon of mine recently. In Matthew 21, verse 12, um, Matthew and Luke record the same incident. It's nice to compare um, how they record. And there's some detail if you put all three accounts together. You get the whole picture. Matthew says that Jesus entered the temple and he drove out those who were buying and selling in the temple. Overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Then it says this. Next verse. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called what? A house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. Some versions of your Bible, the word den here is, is, is cave. If you double click on the Hebrew, the word literally means a cave, right? So firstly, what should the house be flavored by? Everyone say prayer, right? You've made it a marketplace for business. Jesus said prayer should flavor this context. And prayer focused on nations. Not give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, me, myself and I. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, me, myself and I. Jesus said this place. It's not for personal. Should, yes, let me just say this. You will inevitably be blessed personally. When you seek his kingdom first, what happens? He, what does he do? He adds all things unto you. This house, I want to say this boldly, Gate Ministries Durban Central is a house of prayer for all nations. We are nation focused. Amen. We will bless nations. I travel often to nations. I'll be going to Nairobi end of the month, Kenya. Spend four days in a pastor's conference. Their focus is on shepherding. I'll represent you in that nation. Right? And I want to encourage you, when I go, you go. Because I'm a part of, of you. Okay? But we want to see the nation saturated in the gospel message. Amen?
in the message um, of accuracy, of authenticity. But I, may I encourage you to pray more? Okay? People are prayerless these days. People are empty in terms of their prayer contents. I want to encourage you, pray more. And don't starve yourself off of prayer. Grab a half an hour here. Grab a 20 minutes there. Grab a 15 minutes here. Spare moment here or there. Lock yourself away and talk to Father. Amen. Just develop relationship with Him and pray more than you ever have before. Pray without ceasing. I know that means that in the normality of life, my spirit is always in contact with, with God. Pray without ceasing means that while I'm teaching a classroom at school, I might not be actively engaged in prayer, but my spirit is in constant contact with God. But that does not negate the need to actually spend, set aside times when you actually do physically pray. Amen? So I want to encourage you, this house must up its game as far as its prayer content. Amen? And I want to encourage you, pray without, pray without ceasing. Now, let me just focus on this for a while, quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on this. You see, Jesus said, the house has suddenly become a cave. It's no more a house. Jesus looked at what the house had become, and he said, this is now a den for who? For robbers and thieves. Okay? Now, biblically, biblically, a thief, Biblically. What's a, what is a thief biblically? Biblically, a thief is anyone that does not honor the Lord financially. In tithes and in offerings. In Malachi 3, it says, let me just put it up quickly just so that we can uh, reference this for the tape. Malachi 3, chapter 8 and 9. Watch. Will a man... So, remember the reference to robbers. Right? So the question is asked, will a man rob God? It's unthinkable, even the thought of attempting to rob your creator. Think about the ludicrousness of this position. Will can a man and will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. God says to Israel, but you are robbing me. Then they say, how have we robbed you? God says, you've robbed me how? In tithes and in? And in offerings, verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation. By the time of Malachi's writing in Israel, Israel had stopped tithing and giving offerings for several hundreds of years. This happened on three or four occasions in their history. And then God would raise up people like Josiah, Hezekiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, now Malachi. I have this all documented in my study manual. I have a thick study manual available on my website. It's called More Excellent Giving. But in the manual, what I demonstrate throughout the history, whenever a reformer like Josiah, Hezekiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, and the last one, was Malachi is one of the last books in the Old Testament, and even the last writer, Malachi, he, he stands up and all of their writings is about reformation, getting things back to order. At the time of the writings, Levites vacated the temple. Why was the temple ignored? Why? Because the Levites were not supported because the tithe was designed to support the Levitical priesthood. So when the Levites vacated their post, temple service stopped, spirituality in the nation declined. Not so. God, through Malachi in this instance, says, whole nation's robbing me. The nation responds almost arrogantly. No, no, not us. How? How dare you say that God to us? How have we robbed you? God, it's simple. Tithes and offerings. So, in my manual, I write this. I'm quoting. Let me just paraphrase because of time. A thief is a non-giver. A thief is a non-tither. A thief in the kingdom is one that refuses to honor God financially. There's no other nicer way for me to say this. Right? If you were Malachi in that day, Malachi would have offended a lot of people, not so. He said, whole nation robbers and thieves. Now let me just say this, brethren. You see, everyone say Passover. 
I'm going to say this as a prophet of God and as your father in the Lord. I'm passing over this insubmission to give tithes and offerings. It must be Passover. Right? You, you see, in Passover, there are some things you simply got to leave behind. And you say, Jesus comes to a Passover feast and he says, no more house anymore. What can easily change the flavor of a house to a cave? It's no more a house. It's now degenerated into a cave full of thieves and robbers whose sole intent is to recruit blessings and, 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 and standing unto themselves. God says, no, through Malachi, you've robbed me. And I want to challenge the brothers. I want to challenge everyone in this place. Non-tithing, non-offerings reduces the Son of God to a, a thief. Right? Now, I know, I know, please don't get angry with me. I have to speak like this. If, I'm to, if I am to be a faithful teacher of God's word. You see what I could ordinarily have done for this section. You know me, I'm a fairly good scholar. Not good, I mean, I like to put, take out details. Could have easily glossed over this word. Oh, robber's den. When I read it the very first time, God spoke to me there and then. Then, you think naturally, what makes a robber a robber? What makes a thief a thief? Publicly, it's the one who is not tithing to the Lord. Amen? But you know the saddest thing is this. Just quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you know what, um, this, how serious this is? How serious this is? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. It says the following. Do you not know the unrighteous will not what? Will not inherit the, the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now watch. Paul gives a list of people that will never come into. Everyone say inheritance. Right? Do not be deceived. No fornicator. No idolater. No adulterer. No effeminate. The homosexual. Or no homosexuals. Next, next verse. No what? No thieves. Thieves, no covetous, no drunkard, no revilers, no swindlers will inherit the kingdom. It's very serious to me that a thief is located there. And if you match scripture with scripture, the Bible says a thief is a non-giver. And then God says, that person, you might be in the kingdom, but you will never inherit it. You know, there are three levels. You see the kingdom, you enter the kingdom, and then you inherit the kingdom. Who would like your inheritance? Right? Who would like your inheritance? Right? What am I doing in the spirit in this house? Open your eyes to see what I'm doing in the spirit. I'm taking the table and I'm turning it over. I'm saying that, that, that mindset, that principle must not persist in this house. Amen? Imagine, you know, uh, to, to hire this venue is 5,000 rand just for today. It's going to cost us 20,000 rand per month. It's 5,000 rand every time we come here. But do you know this? Just, just think about this. I took a huge step of faith to do this, to be compliant with prophecy. Right? Think about this. There's about 100 people here today. We have 120 chairs out, so I'm just estimating. About 100 people here. Do you know that if every, just us here, just, I'm not talking about anybody else, if just the folk here are faithful, and I'm not talking now and then. It's like sporadic. Every month, you're regular and you're faithful with your giving. Do you know what? This will be our wink at it. It won't, it won't be a, uh, an issue. We will comfortably be able to do this. And who knows what for the, for the future. Amen? So I'm, I'm talking to those who have succumbed to this. I talk to you lovingly as a father. I'm dealing with principles of Passover. And the Lord said to me, tell the house not to make the house a cave where thieves and robbers come together. Amen? Amen? You know, everyone say windows. It says, God said, test me. Prove, test me. Try me. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me in this and see if I will not do what? Open the windows of heaven. Clive Pick, years ago, I went to a teaching on Titan offerings at Glenridge. They had just opened Glenridge years back when they just started. They invited a gentleman from the UK called Clive Pick. 
and he was talking uh, a seminar in finance, church finance. I was a young man. I went to sit there with my notebook. But I'll never forget one thing he said. He said, over in any house, if, if 50% of that church is tithing and the other 50% are thieves and robbers, not tithing, he said, the, the, the culture over the global house, the windows of heaven will then be only 50% opened. For the individual who is faithful, let's say one of you, let's say, Rita, you are faithful. Let's say you are faithful in tithing. You have an open heaven over your life personally. But when you belong to a family and half of us are doing it and the other half is not, the corporate window over the house is only 50% open if 50% are only tithing. Eh? But who like, everyone do this. Come on, come on church. We're going forward. I want unprecedented blessing upon us corporately. My heart for every one of you is that you will be blessed financially. I declare, I declare to you that you will be blessed financially. All I'm saying to you, Honor God, test Him, and see what happens. Don't live in the house, but listen carefully. In the house, your first priority is your need and not God's need. Right? The first cake was given to Elisha. Remember the word? And the oil did not stop for three and a half years. Amen? I want to encourage you, be the most generous and lavish um, giver that you, that you know. I want to close by reading Jeremiah chapter 7 in this regard. So that basically, um, there are other principles, but time is fast against us. Amen. Let me encourage you with this. I believe your placement here is of the Lord. Amen. My challenge to us is, have zeal for the house of God. Don't think I'm faithful to Randolph. Don't think like a man, I'm faithful to Randolph. No, I'm faithful to God. He has placed me in this house. And let me just say this. I believe in next year, the profound purpose is going to be laid out for us. But we don't need people who are still with an enslaved mentality. We need people that are faithful in, in finance. If you'd like, Thumb was just about finishing a lengthy financial series he's done in Santon every Sunday. I think he's on session 16. Now he just released last session 16 on principles of economics. I've been following it. It's phenomenal. It will encourage you if you're struggling with this area. It will really encourage you. I thought Sunday's teaching released on the first fruit principle was the best exposition I've heard on first fruits in a long time. Encourage you, lock in and, 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 and empower. You know why? You know many people aren't obeying. No faith. Faith comes how? Faith comes by hearing. If you're hearing the wrong thing, Faith will go. But if you're hearing the word, faith will empower you even to obey the principle. Amen? Don't count the cost. Simply obey God and see what God will, will not do. Amen? Are we going to be faithful, church? Come on, talk to you as a father in the Lord. Are you going to be faithful? Amen? Otherwise, listen carefully. Like I said, you're faithful physically, but you're unfaithful principally. You hear, some of you are here every week and I appreciate that. But some of us are not having breakthrough because we're not honoring God financially. Amen? It's either all or it's, it's nothing. Tell your neighbors, Passover. Please bear in mind what I'm doing. We're saying, God, this house will never degenerate to become a den of thieves. Amen? We'll be those that honor you, even financially. Zeal for your house has eaten me up, has consumed me, so I will be faithful. Amen? Jeremiah chapter 7. It's a marvelous chapter, Jeremiah chapter 7. I'll finish this next week because of time. I just want to close with this. Let's pay attention. Please focus on this. I'll make a few comments here and there, and then we're going to pray. Amen? Um, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's, where? Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah. You enter by these gates to worship the Lord. There's a prophet announcing the word of the Lord, right? Then he says, verse 3, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. This is to the temple. God is saying to his people, Change your ways, amend your ways, and I will let you dwell here. Remember, I spoke to you about a possible expulsion. God said, if you change your ways, not me, God is saying, 
I will let you have the privilege of being in the center of stewarding my purposes for the whole earth. That's the impact here, the import. Verse 4. Do not trust in deceptive words. This is frightening. I read this verse, I was scared. You must read it in other versions of the Bible. Your homework today is to read Jeremiah in as many versions as you can. You will see how, how powerful this is. God says, do not trust in deceptive words, saying, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. You know, the Bible doesn't fill words or, or repeat words just to fill this, the pages of the Bible. So picture this. God is saying, okay, there's this brew in the temple. Say, whoo, hallelujah, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. I'm in the, where am I? I'm in the temple of the Lord. But what does God say? It's deceptive. You think you are in. You might be physically in, but you are very, very out. Not so? Very frightening, eh? And notice what he says. Watch. Why is it deceptive? For if you only amend your ways. You know, some of you have an incalcitrant spirit in reference to the wrong thing. There is like a, a refusal to bend and to buckle. God is saying, if you simply re- amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor. So God is addressing practical things here, not so. Practice justice between a man and his neighbor. And what, what will happen? Quickly. If you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, the widow, do not shed the innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own room, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. You know, self-deception is the greatest deception. When you think you're okay, but you're actually in a very, very serious condition. To think one is fine, when in fact you're on the border of spiritual death, that is highly deceptive. Not so? Right? So these words come as a, as a warning to us. Then it says this. Will you steal the robber, the thief? Will you murder the one who hates? The Bible says he who hates his brother is a, is a murderer. And commit adultery or swear falsely, offer sacrifices to Baal and walk after other gods that you have not known. Then come and, okay, you do all of that. What does God say? You still come and you do what? You still stand before me. You stand before me in this house. Tell your neighbor in this house. Right? It's like you're violating every principle, but you still come deceptively. Like nothing's wrong. Then God says, which is called by my name and say, we are delivered that you might might do all these abominations. You think you're delivered, but you're in serious trouble. uh, Next verse, quickly. Has this house, which is called by my name, what has the house become? Has this house become a den of robbers? In your sight, behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. Verse 12. But go now to my place, which is in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people. God's saying, look at my past dealings with others in the same condition as you are, Israel, and see how that others will wink at my law, still come and think it's fine, and have a parade of spirituality to impress people, but yet you are far removed from God. God says, go check out my history in dealing with the same condition and see how I judge my people in times past. So God says the following. And now because you have done these things, declares the Lord, and I spoke to you. How did God speak? Rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called you and you did not answer. This phrase, I spoke to you rising up early. In some versions of the Bible, God says, I spoke to you persistently time after time after time. Right? And then, now because you have done these things, declares the Lord, and I spoke to you rising up early and speaking, you did not hear. I called you, you did not answer. Then, 
Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to the place I gave you and your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. I will cast you out of my sight, as I cast out all of your brothers, all the offspring of Ephraim. As for you, do not pray for this, my people. God says to the prophet now, by the way, Jeremiah, as for you, my, my servant, do not pray for them. Do not lift up a cry or pray for them. Do not intercede with, with me because I don't hear you about this matter. This is frightening, eh? <laughs> Very scary. And then, next verse. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? Children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire. The women knead dough and make cakes for the queen of heaven. This is idolatrous positions. This is Baal worship. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods in order to, to spite me. Do they spite me, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves they spite to their own shame? Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out to this place on man and beast, upon the trees and the field, and on the fruit of the ground. It will burn and will not be, will not be quenched. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat flesh. I want to get to verse 24. Just watch. God says, For I did not speak to your forefathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. God says, when I brought them out, I didn't talk to them about sacrifices. But what did God say? Next verse. But this is what I commanded them saying. Do what? Simply obey my voice. Obey my voice and I will be your God. And you will be my people and you will walk in all the way which I command you that it might be well with you. But sadly, next verse, yet they did not obey, nor inclined their ear, but walked after their own counsels and watched in the stubbornness of an evil heart. And they went backward and not. You know, this is a frightening verse. Who'd like to go would like to go backward. Everyone say forward. I wanna, can, I, can I challenge the house? Come on, say it again. Forward. forward. You know what forward for me is? Forward for me, according to context. In this chapter, God says, the house has become robbers, thieves. right? But God says, but all God brings them back to the first command He gave them when He brought out. He says, if you simply do one thing, Israel, I'm not even going to talk to you about sacrifices and offerings right now. That came later, right? In the second year of their, of their journeys. God says, all I want of this nation, if you only obey my, only obey my voice. Let's read it again. Verse 23. As you leave, leave with this resolve. Come hell or come high water. I, we will obey the voice of our of our Father. Amen? It says, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my, my people. In fact, you're going to walk in all the way that I command you, that it might be well with you. I'm saying to the Lord, even as I minister to you, I'm saying, God, whatever you ask me to, that I will do. One thing I desire and one thing only, is to obey God in all that He asks me to. Amen? Do you know the word obey, obedience, is the Greek word hupo, akuyo. Everyone say hupo, akuyo. The word hupo means under. It's like sub in English. Submarine, submerge means go under. Any Greek word starting hupo means under. Akuyo means what? To hear. Akuyo means to hear. So take the word Obedience, hupo or kuyo means bring yourself under the word that you have heard and submit to it and let your submission to the word drive you. Amen? Who's going to bring yourself under the word? 
Come on, let me see your hands. Bring yourself under the word. Amen? Whatever he says, do it. However difficult it is, do it. I want to say this to you. It will go very, very well with you. Amen? Are you excited that we're going forward and not backward? You see, the worst thing, listen carefully to me, the worst thing for us would be to be in a new present, a new venue, geographically. But we are regressing, principally, spiritually. New venue, new demands. New venue, new levels of excellence. New place, new levels of compliance. Amen? I want to say it again. It will be the most sharpest indictment against this house. If people say to us, they definitely went to a better venue, but they went backward, but not forward. Amen? In fact, I'm hearing taunts as I speak to you in the spirit. Demonic taunts. But I want to declare no curse will work. Amen? Tell you never, no curse will work. No curse will work. We are blessed people. We cannot be cursed. I declare to you, your business cannot be cursed. Your family cannot be cursed. Your children cannot be cursed. Whom God has blessed, no satanic agency can pronounce a curse upon. Okay? But I want to encourage you. Amen? We are going where? Forward and we're not going back. The Bible says in Hebrews, we are not those that return back unto perdition, but we are those that, that press forward. Amen? So there's no more going back. You know? Can I, can I encourage you, brethren? Husbands and wives, bring financial order and obedience um, to your bank account. Honor God with tithes. And don't just do it once or twice. Be regular, be faithful, and see how regularly faithful God will be with you. Because right? what you sow is that is what you're going to reap. I don't sow to get. Let me just make it clear. I never sow to get. I, I, I give full stop. I give simply to be oh, obedient to the Lord. Amen. But you know, but I, this, this thing, this next verse just strikes me. And I, when you leave now, please go with it. Verse 24. Where it says? Good, yeah. They went backward, but they did not go forward. Tell someone, we're going forward. Amen. I declare over your family, Lisa, you're going forward. No more, no more turning back. Amen. You're going forward, my sister. Love you. You're going forward. Amen, Nikki. No, no going backwards. You're going forward. You're going forward, Ian. You're going forward, Kevin. Amen. Hallelujah. Business is going forward. No turning back. Amen? Couple here, you're going forward. Amen? And the child that's to come soon. Going forward. Going forward. This family is going forward. I declare to you, this house will never become a cave. I declare to you, we will never go backward. You know, I, I prophesy over you, church. You're going to go forward. Things are not going to get worse for you. Things are going to get better. Amen? This is a word for this house. Things, you've come through much. But God says, enough is enough. This is Passover for you. You are migrating to a new place. But God says to you, if only you obey my word, it will go very well for you. Just bring yourself, stay in the house. Stay in the house with brothers and a, a father. Spiritual father led by the heavenly father. There's immunity. All will go well for you.